Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who should the Bucs have taken in the 2017 draft? And do Jameis Winston and Tyler Johnson have futures here in Tampa Bay? It's a rapid-fire potpourri of questions on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey, everybody, Tom Jones, Rick Straub, Tampa Bay Times, along with our producer and co-host tonight, Steve Bursnick. We have lots of football talk coming up on our Friday podcast. Of course, that's a football Friday. We'll dig deep into the conference championship games, give you our predictions on who is going to the Super Bowl. So that's coming up on our next podcast, the uh, Super Bowl uh, or conference championship football Friday. But on this edition, we get a bunch of topics, sort of a lightning round series of questions asked by our producer, Steve Versnick. So with that, uh, good good afternoon. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Doing well. Yourself? I'm good. I'm, good. I'm, ready, for, I'm ready for football this weekend. I can't wait for it. It's my favorite weekend of the year. Uh, you missed the best weekend was last weekend, but I digress. I, yeah, I know. I know. It was, it was good games and good good fun, but conference championship Sunday is my favorite day. So anyway, we got a day to get to that. So on this episode, we'll hit a bunch of topics. A lot mm-hmm. of, it's funny. It's like even though nothing's really going on with the Lightning this week, they're on break because of the uh, that's their bye week. And, uh, and But they have a big game coming up against Vegas. We'll talk about that on this edition. And, uh, and stuff going on with the Bucks too. Deshaun Jackson in uh, making mm-hmm. some national news, talking about Jameis Winston. So we got lots to talk about. Well, we'll start with the Bucks. Rick, mm-hmm. you had a conversation with Jason Light, and in that conversation he mentioned that he cringed by some of the preseason expectations this past season. What do you guys think he meant by that? Well, um, <laughs> glad you asked that because I've cringed at the reaction to it. Uh, it's <laughs> It's been amazing how fans and, and um, some of our – talk show brethren, I guess, um, have taken that one word and turned it into a sign of weakness. And really, it was just an honest assessment. I mean, um, look, we all we all talked about it at the time, hard knocks, um, everybody, you know, ex, you know, extolling the virtues of their weapons for Winston program with, you know, Deshaun Jackson and O.J. Howard and Chris Godwin and on and on and on. And you know, all Jason said was, you know, many of those expectations. Of course, every team has expectations. If you don't, you can't be in the NFL. I mean, you don't go over there and go, you know, if we could just do eight and eight, I think we can keep our jobs another year. So he embraced the expectations, and they they felt they had the best team they've had, um, at least since Dirk's been here. And yet his his whole thing was he cringed at the idea that people were talking about as if they could go out and just hang 50 on people. And his point was that that's really, really hard to do. I mean, you look at the, the teams that are in the, you know, the conference championship games, they're all top five defenses in this league, all of them. And so, you know, I, I just – I understand that, that you know, fans – I found out this weekend, or this week rather, um, just how much bitterness there is <laughs> among some Bucks fans. And I get it because it's been so long since they've been in the postseason – but man, they wanted pints of blood from Jason Light over one word, cringe. And then he, he later, you know, talked to some people and said, you know, he didn't backtrack. I mean, he said, you know, this is what I meant by it. But 
Jeez. Well, I got to admit, Rick, I cringed when I saw that word. I and Did I you? and I was a little disappointed by it. And I thought to James, Jason Light, I'm not saying that they should have gone out and gone eleven and five, but think anybody was expecting five and eleven and i was here last summer just as you were and i think there were a lot of explanation uh, expectations not only coming from bucks fans but but coming out of bucks one buck place i felt like well they had them though i mean he didn't say they didn't have them themselves well but i but i mean i the, the cringe part I, and i get sort of where he was coming from with that but at the same time it, it's sort of revisionist history i think now it's uh, did he really not think they were going to be that great, I, I just I didn't understand. It was almost like he was afraid of the fact that there were some expectations on on this team last year. There Look, there were expect- people there were people talking about as if that they had won the division and it was just a question of who they were playing in the AFC for the Super Bowl. I mean, it, it did get a little out of hand. You know, we wrote about it, we talked about it all the time with Hard, no- hard Knocks um, before you know we found out they were coming here. Uh, they embraced it, but Dirk Cutter said, "I love the show, don't want to be on it." You know, um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because it was disruptive to their operation or their practices or anything. It's just that you put that kind of microscope on a team that's young and sort of full of itself. I mean, we can remember Chris Baker making fun of Jaguar fans saying they're going to win three games this year. That's well, true. hello. They went, you <laughs> well, know, I forgot all about that. That's awesome. Yeah, they're, they're playing in the <laughs> AFC Championship, and you won five, big guy, and you're not even going to be with the club next year. So, I mean, I – I, I had the conversation with him. It wasn't the first thing. You know, look, I, yeah, is right. there a reason no, I, I put it up high in the story? Yeah. I mean, I, that word kind of hung on me in the air a little bit. But um, it wasn't the first thing he talked about. It, it just people generally regarded that and a lot of the other things he said as making excuses. I think what he said was factual. I think what he said was, was you know, true. And, and, I, and I also think that he understands that they got a lot of things to fix. Well, I got news for him. There's no one expecting them to win. <laughs> he don't want to have to worry about cringing next year at the expectations <laughs> because I don't think the expectations are very high. Maybe is one of those cases, Rick, where we were a year ahead of schedule on on our thinking. You know, maybe Could it's be. one of those things where they're actually a pretty good team, and this year things didn't go quite the way everyone Not expected. Anymore. It kind, they need a lot it kind of, of snowballed, and and then you know next year with a little improvement, they'll they'll get much better. But yeah, mm. I, uh, I yeah, he won't be cringing next season. So. What do we got next, Steve? Well, Jason Light and Dirk Cutter will both be coming back this uh, for this season, and it doesn't appear there'll be any major changes to their coaching staff either. Do you think that's the right move? And if there's a change to be made, what would you do? Here's what I know, Rick, is I'm looking around the NFL these days, and I see the guys are getting fired. The Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, fired Todd Haley as their offensive coordinator. This is a team that went uh, – 13 and 4 for the season. They scored 42 points in the in their AFC divisional playoff game and they decided it was the defense the offensive coordinator's fault that they that they didn't get any further. Uh, I look at the Tennessee Titans. They fired Mike Malarkey's head coach after the Tennessee Titans make the playoffs. No, they make the playoffs. They win a playoff game. There are a lot of changes going around the NFL, Rick, on teams that did far better than the Tampa Bay Bucks did. And you look at this and say, "Okay, nothing's going to be changed, so what should what's going to change?" We feel like nothing. if they're not going to make any moves, then sort of what's the point? I would not take the play calling away from Dirk Cutter. I think Dirk Cutter, the reason he is in the NFL, Rick, was that, uh, was that he's a good play caller. That's, that's why he got to the position he's in. Um, now, I don't know if it's dividing his time, if he should be concentrating on other things, particularly uh, you know, sort of being the CEO of the team and, and, and managing the, uh, the expectations that make people cringe. But 
Uh, but I think there should be a move somewhere, Rick. And I don't know if it was a defensive coordinator. I don't know that it's Mike Smith's fault, but I just don't know how you bring the same, the exact same thing back and expect something different unless you're going to add a bunch of new players, which I don't know that they're going to do other than draft people. So I'm not sure what the change should have been made, Rick, but I mean, just, I just don't know what's going to change if you don't change anything. Well, um, there's a lot of examples, I you know, that um, when you make changes, it works, and, and when you, you know, when you don't, it works. I mean, you know, Tony Dungy, you know, was the perfect one. You know, continuity helped, and then yeah, they got to a point where they didn't make a change, even though you'd say, well, here's a guy that went to the playoffs every year, and they still fired him. Why? Well, they, John Gruden came in. And so I think every situation is different. You know, we don't know what the conversations were with Mike Malarkey, and that was was said to be a mutual parting of ways. Um, Todd Haley, his contract was up. He's been there an awful long time. Um, you know, we don't years, know what the yeah. we don't know what the relationship is with him and Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, hell, if he can't check to a quarterback sneak on fourth and one, there's a problem. So you know, all of these things, you know, guys, familiarity, um, uh, you know, staffs to stay together and, and just need new voices and things like that. I mean, I I. Well, for years and years, we talked about you know the, the Glazers and the owners not having any patience and firing a coach every two years. So they go one year where they don't fire a guy after two years, and now everybody's screaming, "How could you do this? Look at all these other teams that made the playoffs and fired their coaches." So I, I can see both sides of the argument. It's really it's really just what's going on with your team and where you think your coaches are and if how responsible they are. Um, I've heard a lot of stuff about people saying, "Well, there, no one's holding them accountable," and it's insane to think you're going to do the same thing and get the same results and all that. I would say this, that um, I think at some level, and I don't know how they do this, and I don't know, I don't know, you know, this is just off the top of my head, really. Dirk calling plays, yeah, it is his strength, and most coaches that give it up take it back anyway. So, if you know, sort of, if that's why he's here, it would be hard, I think, for him to say, I'm not doing it, you know. Mm -hmm. However, and I don't know how you do this, and I'm not coming after Mike Bajakian's job, per se, but... I think Jameis needs somebody else. I think Jameis could use, I don't know what, kicking the butt, different mess. I, I don't know how you do that, but I'm just saying that, that mm. there's, there's maybe, there's maybe room to, uh, you know, to have somebody turn his helmet around or something. I don't know. I can, I can see that. Now, would you also? I wonder too if the Bucks at this point consider. Hey, you know, there's some now there's some play callers out there. Maybe Todd Haley. Maybe you bring. Maybe do you have a conversation with Todd Haley? Do you have a conversation with Mike Malarkey and say, you it's know, possible. Hey, you know, maybe maybe we didn't, we weren't going to make a change as far. Maybe Dirk's thinking to himself, I wasn't going to make a change in terms of play calling because I didn't think there was there was anybody yeah. out there that could call plays as well as I can. Well, now there maybe is somebody. So yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe it's still evolving. I don't know, but um, yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, teams, the easy know, answer, the easy answer would be, you know, how about uh, how about changing Mike Smith, you know, because yeah. of where they finished last year. But, you know, Jason Light talked about this. Others have that, you know, Mike Smith didn't necessarily forget how to coach defense. He just didn't have any players. Right. right. So I think I think they recognize there were injuries, there were deficiencies on that side of the ball, and they're going to stick with their guys. All right. What's up next, Steve? Well, you mentioned Jameis maybe just needs a kick in the ass uh, this week. Yeah. Sean mm -hmm. Jackson came out mm. and mentioned that uh, Jameis needs to stop trying to impress the world and just play football. Is that just a kick yeah. in the ass, or is there something bigger going on between the two? Um, I don't know exactly. Uh, you know, I listened to that interview and wrote about it, and um, it was on first take, 
and it was kind of, you know, the one thing Deshaun made clear was that he had told Jameis this himself, um, that, you know, he said, you know, he, he has to get back to having fun and not trying, his quote, was not trying to impress the world. Mm-hmm. Almost as if there's too many voices in his head and, and, you know, where's that guy from Florida State that won a national title and the Heisman and all that. So, you know, Deshaun has been in the league 10 years. He's played with a lot of quarterbacks. He kind of understands, you know, the ups and downs of that position and being on the other end of it. Um, I I kind of think that, um, you know, he's putting a lot on the quarterback. I mean, some of it might be trying to explain why he didn't have a good year. I mean, 50 catches, you know, in 14 games, um, three touchdowns, not what he expected. Um, he did say something else. He said, you know, if you're – if you want to be, you know, the best quarterback, one of, considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you have to go out there and prove it. So it was it was some tough love. So that's the sort of thing, you know, that Jameis has to take to heart. But I think a lot of it's on Deshaun, too, to get his butt with Jameis in the offseason and actually work on some things as opposed to, you know, maybe making one out of every three OTAs. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good point. I'll say this about Jameis. And this is probably going to come off as being a little bit unfair, Rick, but it's just it's my gut feeling. It's the way I mm-hmm. feel about it. Mm-hmm. We talk to him a couple times a week, and I realize that when he goes up there on the podium each and every once during the week on usually like a Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday, Thursday yeah. right? And then he talks to us post game Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and he'll get up there and he'll talk, and, and he answers all our questions, and 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 I realize that. Every quarterback in the league, whether it's Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or Cam Newton or whomever, there's a bit of an act. It's not really who they are. I I watch Tom Brady after practices or after a game on Sunday, and he's he says nothing. He goes up there and he says nothing, and he seems like the nerdiest, most uncool guy in the world. And there's no way that he could pull a supermodel <laughs> for a wife and be that boring. They're, I mean, you, obviously, he's a charismatic guy. And and he's a a funny guy, and he does you know, and and the, the what he gives us on Sundays after games is an act. So I admit that right up front. But whenever I listen to Jameis Rick, there's still a part of me that's not totally buying in about whether I'm seeing a, a genuine person up there. I still think he cares about what people think of him. I still think he tries to to um, sell a bill of goods a bit, if that's a way to if that's a way to phrase it. I think he wants people to like him. I think he wants us to like him. Um, and I'm not sure he believes everything that he says up there. Again, I'm not criticizing just him. I, I think everybody is like that. To a certain extent, Ben Roethlisberger is like that. And like I said, Cam Newton gets up there and says things that he probably wouldn't say uh, when he's away from the cameras. But I, I do think there is something to what Deshaun says he's trying to impress the world. I think he wants to go up there and, and he's he wants everybody to like him and he wants everybody to be impressed by him and he tries to say the right thing. And and I'm not sure I buy it all the time. And I wonder if that carries over into you know that whole thing with the eating the W's and all. I wonder if that comes. Yeah, off and, as, and I don't as know. Disingenuous is I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, and I don't know that Deshaun Deshaun might have been talking about that. You know, some of the raw raw stuff or not. Maybe he's talking. I I I tend to think he was talking more about his style of play. You know, trying to to do the in the pocket paint by the numbers. You know. Um, learning how to play the position, check the ball down, make quicker reads when, you know, if you're a deep threat, let's say, like Deshaun Jackson, it's like, hey, man, grip it and rip it. You know, give mm-hmm. me a chance to catch the ball. So, you know, and and there was a time when, you know, later in the year when Winston admitted that he got away from giving Mike Evans chances, you know, because those, those opportunity 50-50 balls. 
and he got back to that late, and, and it kind of worked. So I, I don't know if he's talking. He's probably talking about all of it, but yeah, I mean, there is there is something that's a little scripted about Jameis, and you know, and I don't he, think it's malicious. I don't. I'm not. I'm not no, calling him like a bad guy for that. I'm just no. Saying but that, like for example, like he, you know, he listens to he listens to a guy that has a you know a scripture every day, or he'll come in there with a you know with sort of a sort of a, a thought. There's a lot of repetitiveness to his act, you know, as well. Yeah. And I'm not saying I, most people will tell you when they're around him, like he's on fire all the time. Like that's just that's sort of who he is. He's passionate, and I think he's a little more. I actually think he's guarded with us more than he is with his teammates, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that oh, yeah, came which through I in the hard knocks. Which I would be surprised at. Yeah, but I, there is. But he is. He is a showman. You know, I mean, he is an entertainer, and he he plays a position in a unique way. And I think I think he does have charisma, and I think guys with charisma want people to like them. I think they want to turn it on. Right. That's why I'm just saying I think it's okay, and I, I maybe one doesn't relate to the other. It's okay to sit up here and say, you know what, I don't have an answer for you on that one. I don't know. I'm not going to try mm-hmm. to sell you. And it's also the same, like, you know what, it's okay to throw, check the ball down. <laughs> you know, it's almost yeah. like I'm not trying to impress you with this particular play or this particular answer. That's right. I'm playing, some... playing a position here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What do we got next, Steve? Well, Jameis Winston's contract has, uh, I believe, what, one more year left on it than the fifth-year option for first-round draft picks. So three years from now, will he be the Bucks' starting quarterback? Wow. This is an interesting question, Rick. And I thought I, you know, we were we were talking about this. Uh, we've been talking about this ever since the offseason started because this is, you know, it's hard to believe it's it's been three years now. He's been in the league three years. It's yeah. it feels like he just got here the other day. Um, I'm going to say something crazy, Rick. I have a feeling he's not going to be here in three years, and I don't know why mm. I'm thinking that. I think this turns into like a Vinny Testaverde. Slash Trent Dilfer slash Doug Williams, however, and I realize Doug Williams was a, a different situation. I I don't know that he's going to show enough over the next couple of years that that mm. I think there's going to be changes. I think there'll be a different coach. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Here in three years, um, I, I realize that this. I'm going out on a limb with this answer. It's not the the, the safe answer, and the, probably the correct answer is yes, he will be here in three years. But I, I there's something that tells me that. That no, I, he he's not going to be here in three years. I don't know why. Well, the timetable would suggest that he's going to have to do something in the next year or two for sure to right. to make sure that he's here in that third year because he's going into his fourth season. We don't know if he'll start the year. If there's going to be suspensions involved, we don't know what kind of year he's going to have. And then they have a club option, which isn't franchise money, but it's significant money. I will say this: that let's say that even you know even in his in his even last year when he missed three games, he still threw for, you know, 3,500 yards, so or over 3,000 yards. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards a season. Um, touchdowns are going to go up, interceptions down a little bit. I think the numbers and the talent, whether he wins a ton of games or not, let's say he doesn't win next year. Let's say he just has a Jameis year, 4,000 mm-hmm. yards, you know, 28 touchdowns, four, 13, 14 interceptions, whatever. The next coach will be attracted to this job because they have Jameis Winston, and they'll want to see if we can, you know, make this guy into his realize his potential as a number one overall pick. So I think he gets, I think he gets next year, 
18. I think he gets 19 as a fifth-year option. And then it'll depend on how he plays. And, you know, at that point, are you going to franchise him for one year? Um, It's a lot of money, 25, 27, 28 million dollars. Affects your salary cap with all the other players. So I'm going to say he will uh, Mm -hmm. stay here because I just don't think these guys grow on trees. And before you let him go to, you know, Washington or someplace, uh, uh, you know, and, and win a Super Bowl, um, you might want to let history be your guide and, and give them an extra year. But it's it's a really good question, and I don't I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say he's going to be here. I, I, the problem, I think, that that whoever makes this decision is going to be faced with, Rick, is I don't know that we're ever going to – you're ever going to get a clear-cut answer on, okay, yeah, he's definitely turned the corner. I kind of think this is who he is. Now, I do yeah. agree with you. I, see a, I do see a scenario someday maybe where his interceptions go down a little bit and he becomes a little more reliable, a little more consistent, um, sure. and and not so reckless, but not uh, he, look. He's never going to turn into to 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 Tom Brady. Or and I don't when, what I mean by that. He's not going to be a guy who who throws three interceptions a year. He's always going to no. be a guy that I think that throws double digit interceptions. Now, I do think we'll have seasons ahead where where the numbers will go up in terms of touchdowns and and he'll he'll get more consistent. I believe, but the, I do also think Rick that there will be a lot of seasons. Ahead, where you're just still not totally convinced that he's going to be that consistent quarterback that doesn't turn the football over a lot. And, and you know, even that we know what he is, the question is, does he win? I think at some point, you know, Jameis, you know, can be Jameis, but you got to win, you got to win football games. And if he does that, gets his team in the playoffs, has a couple winning seasons, then everybody will be on board with him. I, I you know, even even with his current style of play. The football team gets better around him, whatnot. It's going to come down to can he win enough games to for a team to want to keep him. I really do see him. Best case scenario, Rick, and we we make this comparison all the time. It's the guy that I compare him most to, and it's Ben Roethlisberger. I think Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. certainly throws a deep ball a bit better, and that's come that's come over time with Ben Roethlisberger. He's gotten better. Let's not forget Ben Roethlisberger has been in the league what you know twelve years now, thirteen years, whatever it's been, uh, and James has been three. But uh, but Ben Roethlisberger still has those games where you scratch your head and go, what the hell was that? You know, and he'll still throw, turn the football over and fumble. We saw it last week in the in the AFC divisional playoffs. But if he turns into that, you're fine because here's the bottom line: Ben Roethlisberger wins a lot of football games. So you're right about that. Mm-hmm. What do we got next, Steve? All right. Well, the Bucks have their attention focused on the draft now. So let's look back at last year's draft. O.J. Howard this week or last week by Pro Football Focus was deemed the worst first-round draft pick by their scoring system. Now, we discussed this last week, a lot of reasons why that, that can be that way. But if the Bucks had to do it all over again, would they take O.J. Howard again with the 19th pick? You know, this is an interesting question, Rick, because you look back at, at okay, what do the Bucks need? What could they really use right, right now? And when we look at it and say, well, they could use a running back and they could use a pass rusher. And I don't know if those guys really were available after the 19th pick last year. You can always... Hindsight is always great where you can look back and say, well, this guy turned out to be an all-pro and he was taken in the third or fourth round. You know, for example, the the running back from uh, New Orleans who was taken, what, in the third round and had a big year. And, and, and Hunt was a guy out of Kansas City who was taken late in the third or, third or second or third round. I'll look at the, I look at the Bucs, Rick. The only guy that I would have thought about, if I could, have, if I could do it all over again, is the pick immediately after O.J. Howard was Garrett Bowles, the left tackle out of Utah. Denver took him with a 20th pick. He had a he had a pretty good season. Now, if you're not a Donovan Smith guy, then maybe Garrett Bowles makes sense. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this about that pick. 
I'm not ready to give up on Donovan Smith just yet. I think he's a better left tackle than people, especially around here, give him credit for. And I think he's going to be a reliable and dependable left tackle for years to come in Tampa Bay. And I really like O.J. Howard. So if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would have done exactly the same thing. I would have taken O.J. Howard. I think O.J. was the cleanest player. I, I don't even, you know, it was not the position they needed. I mean, knowing if they'd have known that Noah Spence was going to get hurt, you know, I mean, the Atlanta Falcons picked a couple picks later and got McKinley, Takaris McKinley from UCLA. He had six sacks. Okay, that's six more than they got. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, you know, there were some there was a corner, some corners in there, Jabril Preppers, uh, safety, you know, that went to from Michigan that went to Cleveland. I mean, I and don't that know ba- that, that there's Bubba a Bubba Baker dude or whatever. He was a safety turned out. Yeah, to be a and he they didn't have. I know for a fact they didn't have him rated that high. No, he um, went like in second round, I think, or early second round. Yeah, so, you know, Dory Jackson went ahead of him. I just think that they were sort of shoehorned into the best player. And if nothing else, you know, O.J. Howard plays 10 years and makes three or four Pro Bowls. Yeah, he's, he's, I, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be a special player in the National Football League. And, we again, we talked about the pro football focus and how it was kind of a screwed up system that they have in terms mm-hmm. of rating players. He's, he's an outstanding player. I would have taken them all over again. What do we got now, Steve? All right. Well, the 2018 NFL draft, the Bucks will be drafting seventh. I guess regardless of uh, who's available, what position are you taking or most need? I mean, if, if you could get the next Adrian Peterson or the next Simeon Rice, which one are you taking, for instance? See, this is an interesting question. If you say the next Adrian Peterson, Rick, or the next Simeon Rice, because Adrian Peterson is a generational back, one of the, one of the best running backs of the last 50 years in the history of the NFL. He's, he's truly one of the great great running backs. And Simeon Rice is not an, an elite an elite pass rusher, but a pretty good pass rusher. So in other words, would you want a, a Hall of Fame running back or a pretty good borderline Hall of Fame pass rusher going forward? And if you look at it that way, Rick, you know, in other words, an elite, elite, elite running back or a pretty mm-hmm. good pass rusher, I think I'll take the pretty good pass rusher because I think you can get by on, on another running back, and I think you'll be able to find running backs. Boy, those pass rushers, Rick, are really hard to find. So if you're asking me, would I rather have the next Adrian Peterson or the next Simeon Rice? I'd rather have the next Simeon Rice. If you knew we were Simeon Rice, you would say Simeon Rice because you're right. Um, you can find other running backs to win games with. They won a Super Bowl with Michael Pittman. Um, but they wouldn't have won it without Simeon Rice. And Simeon Rice, you know, uh, is a Hall of Fame candidate. I mean, his numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. There's no doubt about that. Last guy to have 10 sacks um, for the Bucks in 05, for God's sakes, could probably still go out there and get you a couple. So, yeah, I if you know, give me a guy that gets ten a year every year during his career. Heck yeah, sign me sign me up for that. Uh, if you're uh, if you're Jason Light or, or Dirk Cutter, no question. Although, um, and I don't know, you know, the the beauty of the draft is you don't know what the bust rate is, which is about for pass rushers, it's about fifty percent, just like quarterbacks. I will say that the more sure thing might be a Saquon Barkley. It's just a position that you can fill other ways. Right, yeah, and it's a, it's a you know, with a short shelf life and all that. It's mm-hmm. it's, and I've always been, you know, how I feel about that. So I'm always yep. hesitant to take a running back. But if but if you could guarantee me, it was either going to be Adrian Peterson or, sure. or Simeon Rice. I still I like still the fact, take Simeon. Yeah. yeah, I still like that that pretty good pass rusher as compared to a generational running back. All right, let's switch over to the Lightning now. Victor Hedman last week injured. Uh, luckily, the prognosis was out three to six weeks. It's been about a week now. They're coming back from their bye week. 
the Lightning's back end is going to change a little bit. Does this, or do you think the Lightning may make a move to add more to the blue line going forward as as the number one team in the NHL this year? What do you think, Rick? Because I look at this, I think Steve Eisman takes these next, whatever, two to four weeks or two to five weeks or however much longer Victor Hedman's on and really looks and sees how much they miss Victor Hedman over that time. Now, you have to assume moving forward, you might suffer another injury or two. Maybe what what's going to be like if Hedman's out and then you lose, uh, well, Anton Straubin, that'd be really bad. But if you were to lose a, a Braden Coburn for a week or two, how would that impact your, your defensive situation? So, if I'm if I'm Steve Eisman, I'm really taking stock of the next two to five weeks, seeing how much I miss Victor Hedman, and if it gets to a point where it really looks like we are really struggling without him, then if I'm him, I say, yeah, we need to go out and make another move. But in the meantime, if they play okay, and when I say okay, as long as that they're not giving up five goals a night, I don't know that I'm going to give up a Tyler Johnson for a, for a, a, a really good number three defenseman or something like that. So I think these next few weeks will be sort of an evaluation period for for Steve Eisman. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think a lot of it's going to be depend on how um, Vasilevsky plays. Um, you know, he, he looks like a tired goaltender. I know they've had some time off. They have the All Star break, which he's playing in the All Star game. So I don't know how much rest he's going to get. But mentally, he he just wasn't. You know, the, the goals went way up and. Part of that's the defense, but without Hedman, it may not get better. Um, so you're right. I think they have to see how he plays. I don't know, Tom. I mean, you know, they say this about defense wins championships. That certainly has to be true when you're in hockey. Can you have too much of it? You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I look back at the Peng- uh, the, Peng- the Lightning team that won the 2004 uh, Stanley Cup, and their big move that year didn't seem like a big move at the time. They picked up Daryl Sador, yeah. who was sort of a number four defenseman. He, he was on their second pairing, but he was a guy that looked like, eh, was he was he too old at that point? He had a little cup experience, which they liked, and it turned out he had a huge impact on his team and really stabilized that defense. The thing is, Rick, what's what's been a little bit disappointing about the Lightning is that you would have thought that at this point um, – and I look at three guys, three young guys, I, uh, Dodgson and Cuckoo and Schuster, they haven't developed at the, quite the pace that they, the Lightning, I think, thought they were going to develop. And Cuckoo's a guy that, but when mm-hmm. I saw him in the playoffs two years ago, he played a lot in that Islander series in, uh, in the second round, and that's when Strawman was out. So Cuckoo got extra minutes, and he played well enough that I thought, wow, when they come back next season, this would have been last season, He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be a top four defensive. Yeah, after all, he was a first round draft pick. I mean, you're talking about a guy they had a lot of expectations for, and he took a step back last year. And, and I don't know if it, John Cooper stopped trusting him or whatever. He's starting to look a little more like the defenseman you'd hoped he would be a couple of years ago, but he's still not quite all the way there. And and I think that's been a bit of a disappointment, and maybe changed their idea a little bit about moving forward. Now Sergachev has been really good, much better than I had, I thought he would be. But again, he's playing manageable minutes. If you if all of a sudden nineteen bump, years old, right? That's right. You start bumping him up from you know twelve, fourteen minutes to try to get him eighteen or twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a lot of nights. There's there's still a moment every game he plays. As good as he's been, as good as he's been, there's still a moment every game where you go, "What the heck was that? What are you yeah. doing?" You know, and he still has those moments where he just throws the puck blindly into an area that he shouldn't throw it into. So. I, they have a lot of young guys with a lot of potential, but only because mm. I'm still not convinced about Schuster or Dodson's been a little bit uh, inconsistent and Cuckoo's sort of been up and down that I think 
Steve Eisman, you have to start sitting there thinking, boy, if we were to lose Victor Hedman for three games, say three games in the playoffs, two games in a series, that could lose mm. a series for you. So maybe you do have to think about adding somebody. But these next if two you, to five weeks or so will we'll say a lot. If you're ever going to go for it, you have a surplus, an embarrassment almost of riches as far as scorers go. Yes, that's true. So, I mean, you know, can you have, like you said, you know, injuries are going to be part of it. And when you get in the postseason, you're going to go deep. Guys are going to get hurt. And if you get them hurt on the back end, what's going to happen to your hockey team? So yeah. if you're ever going to make a trade or do something like that, I think this would be the year. No, good point. Good point. All right, and final question, the Lightning back in action uh, tonight against Vegas, the surprise team of the West, the number two team in the NHL behind the Lightning. Will they play again this year? Meaning, is this a Stanley Cup preview? Wow. What do you think, Rick? Sure seems to be. Um, I I mean, (laughs) what's going on in Vegas is history for expansion (laughs) teams in the history of expansion teams, and I mean all sports. It's just incredible what they've done. they damn near have as many as many points as uh, what they're four points shy of the Lightning, I think. Sounds about right. So yeah, you know, sixty-one or some somewhere thereabouts. But um, you know, look, I I don't see I don't see when you're on that kind of a roll, and the fact that I think people are still trying to figure out the whole Vegas dynamic because when you go in there with a day <laughs> off, you lose, including the Lightning. Um, I don't. I don't know who would beat them. I'm sure there's some teams in the West that, that have more experience, and this is a first-year team and all that. Seems like they got it going, man. They had, what, 10,000 at, uh, uh, at a pep rally one day. That's going to be lit, man, when they get in the postseason. So, yeah, I think I think they could face them in, in the Stanley Cup. You know what? The, the Vegas, they, they paid a ton of money for that franchise, and, and in order to, to pay that kind of money, they expected a pretty good team. So the expansion rules were bent. The reason this team's so much better than – say the Tampa Bay Lightning was, or I covered the Minnesota Wild when they were an expansion team. And back in those days, the expansion rules were set up in such a way that it was really hard to get a competitive team right out of the gate. You you were, yeah, every team got, to, I think when the Lightning picked, I think teams protected three goalies in their system. This mm-hmm. past year, they protected one was all you're allowed to protect, which is why they ended up with, with Marc-Andre Fleury out of the deal. Um, seven forwards, I think, was the protection this year. Back when I covered the Lightning in the Wild, it was like teams could protect up. They were double digits in forwards and, and defensemen. So that's that's why Vegas is a little bit better. Having said that, I read somebody before the season. Somebody actually wrote this, Rick, that uh, everybody thought that Vegas was going to be better than expected for an expansion team. And this person wrote, mark my words, this team will be awful. They'll be god-awful. Mm. Uh, that was me. I wrote that before the season. I <laughs> thought this. I thought this team was going to be horrible, and and they've turned out to completely shock and stun me. I don't think they get there, Rick. I think what happens with expansion teams is uh, is things go so well, and then all of a sudden injuries start piling up, mm. and depth is what gets them. You know, so okay. I really like Nashville in the West. I think Nashville's the team to beat in the Western Conference. Chicago still can turn it on at, at any moment. It feels like, uh, and there are a lot of teams that. That that can take Vegas out. In Los Angeles is another really good team. The Kings, so I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm looking at. I think it's going to be either. I, I'm, I'll go ahead and just say for now. I think it's going to be Nashville and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But boy, Vegas and, and Lightning, that'd be a whole lot of fun. Because that if it's anything like the first game where they played out in Vegas and Vegas scored with what two seconds left or whatever, um, it should be a heck. That would be a heck of a series. But I don't think Vegas gets there. Lightning do. Vegas doesn't. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to our producer and co-host tonight, Steve Burstick. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter. The podcast Twitter handle is at Rick Tom Podcast. You can reach Rick at NFL Stride. You can reach me at Tom W. Jones. Thanks again to Steve Burstick. We'll talk to you next time. It'll be a football Friday. We'll get you ready for the Super Bowl. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.